0: Lately, it seems that we're getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth, though every church is called to make disciples. So don't think of church as an address or a location, but rather think of church as mobile and on the move. Don't think of church as something built or planted, but rather think of church as something deployed. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week, because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still, hands shouldn't be idle, feet go. Hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now, because you are the church. Now go and be the church.
1: All right, welcome everybody to the fourth week here in the Build Your Kingdom campaign. And I hope everyone, are you guys pumped up this week? Oh, that doesn't sound like pumped up. That sounds like you're ready to go to sleep here today. I said, are y'all pumped up this week? Yes. All right, we had a pumped up, motivated, high energy fire week last week. And nobody left here last week discouraged. Am I right? Nobody left here discouraged last week. And we're going continue that same high energy pumped up. Because what we're talking about here is the most important thing in the whole wide world. If you're not pumped up about building God's kingdom, then what are you pumped up about? We know in this town, especially recently, it's hard to get excited about sports in this town recently. Right? We wish we could, but unfortunately we can't for many reasons. And then we know that what's going on down there a few blocks away in, in downtown is just people arguing back and forth, Then that stuff doesn't get us excited. You look across the world and stuff there doesn't get you excited. But what gets us excited is what we are talking about is building God's kingdom. And for the last three weeks, we've been looking at people who physically built buildings in order to expand God's kingdom and build God's kingdom. And specifically, we talked about Ezra and Nehemiah and how God commanded them to build something for him, a sanctuary for him um, in order to build his kingdom. And the reason why we're talking about that, just in case you're just here for the first time, is we feel God is calling us to do something very similar. And God brought brought a piece of property in front of us, which is just right behind us, a block away, and he put it into our laps and he worked out all the different obstacles. And I don't want to go into all that story. But we feel very, very strongly that God promised us that he wants us to have that building. Not wants us to have it. He wants himself to have it. But he wants us to be the ones to get it for him. And just like he called uh, Ezra to go and build him a sanctuary. And just like he called Nehemiah to go and build his walls. We feel very strongly God is calling us to build him a sanctuary here in Arlington, Virginia. A permanent place where he may dwell. And that's why we're talking about this right now. Uh, during this series and in order to get there we just have this small obstacle standing in our way it's really nothing just you know two million dollars okay is our hope to collect but don't worry we have um six seven days to collect it so don't worry we're we're right where we want to be right we've got them right where we want to be because our hope is to be able to collect enough money where we don't have to put the church into debt significantly in order to be able to make the purchase so we are on a campaign to raise $2 million. Don't worry, I'm not asking you for money, okay? But what, what I'm asking every single person here to do is to take their peace in building God's kingdom. And what we're going to talk about today is we're actually not going to talk about buildings today. But as you see up there, we're going to talk about bricks before I get into that. Some people, you know, asking where are we in the process and how much we've raised and how close are we. And I'll be honest, like we, like God has really been working Okay, and and people have been so generous, and I cannot say anything negative about the people in this church. Most generous people, people all over, people watching us on this video right now, very, very, very generous. But with that said, we're still quite a distance from our goal. And like we talked about last week, sometimes you look at it and you say, "We're not going to get there," and discouraged. This week, this psalm came to me in one of my times in prayer, and it just hit me so hard and so beautiful. I want to share it with all of you guys because I believe this was God speaking to me to share with all of us here today. That I remain confident of this, Psalm 27, verse 13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And that's what we're doing here in this campaign. We're waiting for the Lord. We're going to do our part, all right? And we're going to work and we're going to be strong. And we're going to wait for God to do what what he does. And in the end of this whole thing, like I said a thousand times, if we don't end up collecting the money and if we don't end up with the building, it will not be... Because we didn't try our hardest, and we didn't pray our hardest. It won't be because of that. Like if God changes the plan, no one has a problem with God changing the plan. But it won't be us changing the plan. It won't be us not doing our part to build God's kingdom here in Arlington. And that gets us to our, top, our topic for today. So far, if you've been following this series, we saw how a kingdom builder kind of went through the stages of someone who builds God's kingdom. And we saw how first it begins with a call. And we saw how God spoke through Cyrus to Zerubbabel, the, contempor- the one who predated uh, Ezra, and he spoke to him and said, he spoke to Cyrus, and he told him, I want you to send a group of people back there to rebuild my house. The, the, the temple had been destroyed, and there was no reason for Cyrus to care about this temple in a foreign land, but God came out of nowhere and moved in Cyrus' heart and said, go rebuild that temple. So Cyrus said, all you Israelites who are here in captivity, who wants to go rebuild the temple? always starts with a call. This is not a story of us saying, God, we want a building. In fact, it's us saying, God, we don't want a building. We don't want, we're very happy right here, but it's God saying, I want a building. Who's going to go build? And that first week we said, Lord, we're going to build whatever it takes. We don't know how to build. We don't know how to fight, but we're going to do whatever it takes second week we looked at our number one weapon in the building process like if we're a builder and we're tim the tool man taylor and we need to go with our suitcase of tools our number one tool our handy dandy trusty tool is prayer that's our number one weapon and we said unless the lord builds the house unless the lord builds the house it's builders labor in vain and we said the number one tool is we're gonna take prayer and we talked about how ezra did that and Nehemiah did that. And then last week we saw that when we are praying and we're building, we're doing all that stuff, we have to expect opposition. We have to expect the enemy to try to trip us. And we have to expect discouragement to set in. And when discouragement comes, we will not quit. We will not quit. We will return to prayer. We will revise the plan. And then what we will do is remind ourselves of God's promise. And then we will refuse to quit. And we saw that last week. But now, the next and the final step in the process, which I think is actually the hardest of them, Because everything we've been talking about so far has been short-term, kind of project-based. But now I want to talk about a mindset that exists beyond this project. And the reason why I'm saying that is because right now we're talking a lot about this building. And it is very important that God wants us to have this building, and we want to build the building and expand the kingdom through the building. Absolutely. But the building is going to come. I believe it will come. Okay? The building is going to come, and then the building is going to be done. And then the series is done and we don't care about the kingdom anymore? What we want to see today is how this building is a very important piece of God's kingdom. But it's just that, a piece. And what we need is a greater vision to be kingdom builders before this building, during this building, after this building. It's not focused on a building, it's focused on a kingdom. What we're going to see today is one person, one individual who built many, many buildings, hundreds of buildings, thousands of buildings for God without ever lifting one finger to do any of it. Today we're going to talk about St. Mark, the evangelist, the apostle, the martyr, the one who is the founder, okay, of the Coptic Orthodox Church, from where we divide, where our roots are here. St. Mark, you may have read some of his work, okay, the Gospel of St. Mark. You may have heard a thing here, a thing or two about him here and there. What do we know about St. Mark's and why am I saying that he built hundreds of churches without even building, without lifting a finger? St. Mark's got a pretty impressive resume, okay, if you kind of look at at who he was. Guy was born in North Africa modern-day Libya to Jewish parents. That's where he was born, but he quickly moved over to Israel and he lived as a contemporary of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was very close with the Lord. And it didn't take him very long to become in the inner circle, so to speak, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was one of the 70 apostles that was chosen to to be um, with the Lord Jesus Christ and sent out. But he had a very, very special rank, even amongst those 70, even amongst the 12, he had a special place. Because Jesus used to visit his home quite frequently. And it is commonly accepted amongst Christians today that his house, the house of St. Mark, was the very first Christian church in the world. Because that was where the Lord celebrated the Last Supper, okay, before He uh, before he died. That was also what where he, many times the disciples would meet together. For example, after the resurrection, it says that they met together and the Lord appeared. That was in the house of St. Mark. Before, on the day of Pentecost, when they were huddled together praying and the spirit shook. That, again, was in the home of St. Mark. So he had a close relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. After the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, when... When Jesus commissioned his apostles to go to all the ends of the earth and he said, all authority has been given to me, I give you all the authority, now you go to the ends of the earth. And you, Thomas, you go, uh, India. And you, uh, Paul, uh, Peter, you're gonna go up north to Europe. St. Mark was sent to Alexandria, Egypt, okay? Eventually he found his way over there to Alexandria in the year 61 AD. What did he find when he got to Alexandria, Egypt? He didn't have any friends there. He didn't have any relatives there. He didn't have any leads on people who were interested in becoming Christians. He found an entirely pagan society that was not only pagan and didn't believe in Christianity. They looked down upon Jews. Okay, Egypt and and, and Jews never got along. So they looked down upon them. And then the idea of there's a sect of the Jews that became believers in this person who died and rose. So like they didn't like the Jews. They, like, the people who came from the Jews was like, what are you guys? You know what I mean? Like, this guy and then that guy. And that's the environment that St. Mark came into. Well, what does a kingdom builder do when he shows up into a country with a huge mission, a huge building to build, so to speak, to start Christianity in this place that isn't even a fan of the predecessor of Christianity? What does a kingdom builder do? You know what a kingdom builder does? He lays a brick. He puts down one brick. Story goes, y'all maybe heard it before, St. Mark walking down the street, he's got his new sandals on. And While he's walking down the street, he busts his sandal. And y'all, ladies especially, you know worst thing is when you break the strap on the sandal. Like it just ruins your whole day, right? right? So he broke it. So he found a cobbler, a shoemaker fixer guy. And the guy's name was Annie Annis. Say after me, Annie Annis. Annie Annis. was a shoe fixer guy. And he goes, St. Mark goes to him, he doesn't know who he is, he, doesn't, he shows up in his little shoe-making business place, okay, and he says, fix my shoe. So the guy starts fixing the shoe, and while he's fixing the shoe, he pricks himself, all right, or he sticks himself with whatever kind of needle, and he screams out something the equivalent of, oh, the one God, okay? You know, like we would say, like oh, my God, okay, oh, oh God, he said something like that, um, uh, equivalent of it. What does a kingdom builder do? when he has a huge building to build, and he has no idea how he's going to do that, he lays a brick. St. Mark saw this. Here's an opportunity. Not to start a church. Not to build a building. But to lay a brick. He said, you mentioned, oh, the one God. Do you know about the one God? Do you know where he's from? Do you know what he looks like? Well, since you brought it up, Okay, since you, this is a salesman, okay, salesman, you make the customer think they brought it. Since you brought it up, let me tell you about the one God. And he began to speak to him about the one God. And Anianus loved what he heard so much, he invited St. Mark to his house. Fast forward the story, St. Mark goes to his house, baptizes Anianus, his whole family, and he starts teaching him the faith and teaching him the faith. Other people start to get interested in this. St. Mark leaves, okay, St. Mark eventually leaves. Why? Because St. Mark was not, that wasn't his area to stay there. He was just coming to visit, and then he, he left. St. Mark comes back years later. All he had did was lay a brick with Anianus. He came back, and he found that Anianus preached the gospel to all his friends, and his friends, and he came back, and he found now there was thousands of people who believed, and there was churches, quote-unquote, not churches like we would see today, Okay, but there were many churches throughout Egypt when St. Mark came back, Home churches, okay, gatherings of people, like the video said. A group of people who believed. There were many churches now that existed in Egypt. And St. Mark started those churches by just laying one brick. And where are we today with the Coptic Church? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches all across the world, America, Australia, Europe, everywhere. And all of those have their root in one man laying one brick. Here's our lesson for today, the mindset that we want to have. Our lesson that we're going to learn from St. Mark, especially with the story of Antianus, is we focus on bricks, not on buildings. Yes, we are talking about a building, and we're talking about this campaign. Yes, we are talking about a physical building. But the kingdom is more than a building. The building is actually a brick to a greater building, if that makes sense. The building is a brick to a much greater building. And each one of us, I'm not telling you today to bring down your $2 million check and come to church. Again, no one would object if you did that, okay? But that's not what this is about. This is about each person. A kingdom builder mindset. As I, everywhere I go, I'm looking opportunities to lay a brick. And, and this said, um, there this, this needs money to build a church here. Well, I don't got money. But you know what? I got, uh, I can uh, make coffee in the back before church starts in the morning. That could be my brick. Or maybe what I can do is I can come and I can sit next to somebody and I can shake that person's hand. Because maybe that person came in today having a lot of doubt in the authenticity of the kingdom and the love in that kingdom. And I can shake that person's hand and that's my brick that I laid down today. See what I'm saying? We need a king... If you look at St. Mark, when St. Mark came to Anianus, what do you think was on his mind? What would have been on our minds in that situation? Here I am, I'm coming to Egypt. I don't know anybody. I don't know anything about anything, I don't speak the language, I don't know the culture, I don't have any friends, and my shoe is broke. Like, that's a bad day. And on top of all that, I'm supposed to, like all the other apostles are going and building churches in Rome and India and all this stuff, and I'm here with all these people, and I don't know what was going on, and I can't understand the culture, and, and people, it's it's a different place. If I'm in St. Mark's mind, if, if I have the mindset of St, if St. Mark had our mindset, He'd be thinking to himself, and there is no way the church is going to work in this place. This is, this is mission impossible. This place, I'm going to go back and write a report saying I tried and didn't work. But that's not a kingdom builder. That's not a kingdom builder. He isn't thinking buildings. and thinking bricks. And he's saying, I can't build a building. But you know what? This guy said, oh, the one true God, or oh, the one God. Well, let me talk to him about that. And I don't know what's going to happen. He may spit in my face. But you know what? I laid a brick. And then I'm gonna go outside in the street and someone else may say something. I'm a, a, a kingdom builder mentality is everywhere I go, I'm trying to lay down bricks. I loved this. I loved this. This was not my idea, but I would love to take credit for this because this, I love this. And I'm gonna take credit for being the inspiration for this idea because I take credit for most ideas that way. I loved this. For those of you who don't know what this is, what we've been talking about the past few weeks, it's exactly this concept, that everyone has a brick. all right. And we encourage people to go to the back and get that little sign that says, my brick is, my one brick is. And then to take a picture and then tweet it with the hashtag, hashtag one brick. Okay? Or to put on Facebook or whatever it may be. And here you just have a couple examples of people saying, my brick is to serve. My brick is to inspire others. My brick is to lift people up. Something. okay." Is the last one is... is Spreading laughter, okay, thank you. Spreading laughter, okay? That's my one brick. I don't know what your brick may be, but the whole point is the concept in our minds is that everywhere we go, we are building the kingdom. Yes, right now we're specifically talking about this building, and that's part of it, and all of us, all hands on deck, but this building is going to come and go. This building is going to, this project is going to come and go. If all of our thinking of the kingdom is this building, this building, this building, this building, what's going to happen? Like, we've been in existence for two and a half years, right? And hopefully... God willing, we get this building. I don't expect that another two and a half, I, I don't expect us to talk about another building for another two and a half decades, okay? I don't expect that this is a constant thing. We're talking about buildings. We're talking about it right now because it's God's project for right now. But I'm saying there's going to be another project after that. There's going to be another project after that. Another one after that. And forget about church projects. You're going to pick up, you're going to move to, to, to uh, Alaska or Oklahoma or wherever you're going to move to. And you're going to build God's kingdom there with it, without a building. Kingdom builders always dropping bricks. This is verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 through 14, look what it says. It says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation. This is St. Paul saying that as a, I'm a builder. Okay, St. Paul, just so you know, never built a church building, but he knew he was building a kingdom. As a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. I put a brick, I went away, someone else put another brick. And then he went away and someone else put another brick. This is the mentality. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. Well, that verse saying is very simple. We have a chief cornerstone who is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the God incarnate and he is the cornerstone of the church of the kingdom of God. And anyone who puts a brick on top of that one will receive a reward. Even if it's a brick of gold, silver, wood, hay, whatever it may be, that that day will determine each one's work. And each one of us, that's our job, is whatever brick we may have. If we got gold, we put down gold. If we got silver, we put silver. If we got wood, we put wood. If we got smile, laughter, we put smile, laughter. If we can serve, we can serve. If we can set up chairs, we can set up chairs. If we can take down chairs. If we can write a check for $2 million. If we can go talk to somebody who can write a check for $2 million. If we can go talk to somebody who could email somebody who talks to somebody about a check for $2 million. Whatever my brick is, I have a brick laying mentality. Where all I'm trying to do is be a kingdom builder, lay one brick at a time. And whatever results happen is whatever results happen. My job is not to build a building. My job is to lay a brick. And that's the mentality that we need to have. That's the inspirational part. Let me tell you the real part. That's hard. What I just said, is that easier, is that hard? That's hard. I'm sitting up here and I'm preaching to you, but I'm telling you, that's hard. It's hard to just say I'm gonna just do my part and I'm gonna work and I'm gonna work and I'm gonna work and I'm not looking at the results. Because each one of us, we wanna see the results. I told you we're trying to raise two million dollars. And we are working, and we are contacting people, we're sending emails, we're recording videos, we're doing stuff, and I know people are doing stuff. And then you wanna look at that bottom line. And then you see, and again, like I said, I'm not complaining, I'm more thankful than anybody else. What we've done in the past two or three weeks in terms of fundraising here, beyond belief okay who else raises i told you last week we're about uh, about a hundred thousand dollars we're actually a little bit less than a hundred thousand dollars you know how much we collected in the past seven days another hundred thousand dollars nobody collects a hundred thousand dollars in seven days nobody does that no one is more thankful than me and all of us here as a church we are the most thankful most appreciative like we got the best people in the whole wide world we got the best like that's the best but that's still not even 10 percent of our goal you know what i'm saying? like that's great but don't look at the end result just lay a brick but it's hard it's hard it's hard not to look at the end result it's hard not to it's not easy to do and all of us we want to see fruits we want to see results so what happens when i'm laying a brick and i'm not seeing results how do we usually think what do i need to do i'm trying to build this building And I'm not seeing it. So what I think I do, more bricks, more bricks, more bricks, bigger bricks, stronger bricks, more bricks. And I made this many phone calls, this many emails, this many things on Facebook, this many things. We only got this. We need to do triple that, quadruple that, five times that, six times that. We need to work more. We need to work more. Anytime you start to focus on the result, you start to run yourself ragged. I'm going to give you a story in the Bible that that really spoke to me, okay? It's actually two stories in the Bible that really spoke to me this past week. One of them in a very strong way we have the two stories that you see up there on the screen first one is from john chapter two when our lord jesus christ was at the wedding of cana of galilee and he turned the water into wine all right and the second one is when jesus took the five loaves and two fish and fed the five thousand these two stories are the epitome to me of just focusing on bricks not focusing on buildings we have this picture okay this this icon of the wedding of cana of galilee in my house and one of these times like i said i'm i'm a human being and I'm frustrated, and I'm discouraged, and I'm looking at that, and we need to do more, need to do more, need to do more. I walked right by this picture, and I saw it, and God told me something very clear. You know in that story of the wedding of Cain of Galilee, Jesus goes to a wedding, they run out of wine. So Jesus says to them, you want wine? Bring me six pots of water. Okay, these big, heavy pots. Bring me six pot- pots of water. And they bring in the six pots of water, and then... He says to go serve it, and when it comes out, it's wine. So Jesus turned the water into wine. Where did this miracle come from? Did the miracle come from the water or no? Did the miracle come from the water? Who says yes, the miracle came from the water? Who says no, the miracle didn't come from the water? So the miracle did not come from the water. So therefore... If there's no water, there'll still be a miracle. Uh-uh, I got you. So if there's no water, so Jesus says, bring me six pots of water. And they say, you don't need water to make a miracle. No water. Would there be a miracle? Five loaves and two fish. Same concept. Jesus took a little boy, said, here's five pieces of bread, two pieces of fish. Jesus took it and fed 5,000. Where'd the miracle come from? Did it come from the bread and the, and the fish? Didn't come from the bread and the fish, right? So therefore, if the boy didn't offer the bread and the fish, Jesus would have done the miracle? So then it needed the water. So the miracle came from the water? You see where I'm going with this thing? There's a big fancy-schmancy word, which doesn't really mean much. It's a word called synergy, all right? Which businesses and all these people use it as if it's a fancy-schmancy word. Synergy is something that, from the earliest days of Christianity, the church understood this and the church taught it. Synergy means that anything that happens in this world that's miraculous, anything, actually anything that happens, because all of life is miraculous, is a cooperation of divine grace plus human freedom. Divine grace plus human freedom. Our salvation is a synergy of... The act of God, the grace of God, but it requires man to take a step. It requires man to accept the salvation. So you can't say, well, salvation is just from God and has nothing to do with man. But you can't say salvation is man, not God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like if God does what God did, but man doesn't do anything, man won't find salvation. But if man does everything and God does nothing, man won't find salvation. The only way it works is synergy. Same thing with the wedding of Cain of Galilee. Did we need the water? Yes and no. Obviously, Jesus doesn't need the water to make it into wine. He can make wine from heaven. But when there's no wine, there's no miracle. Five loaves and two fish. Does Jesus need the five loaves and two fish? Yes and no. No, but yes. When we think in terms of our gold, let me give you an example because I see some, some, some faces out there still. Let's say I go to my child and I, and I say something crazy to my child. Let's say I'm a, I'm a very rich person. And I say, you know what, this week, boy, allowance is ten thousand dollars this week i'm gonna give you ten thousand dollars if you get your chores done and of course my boy if he knows there's ten thousand dollars he can do all his chores make his bed brush his teeth you know take out the trash and then he comes and say give me my ten thousand dollars i would give it to him can we say that he earned the ten thousand dollars took out the stupid trash and and, 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 and earned ten thousand dollars can we say he earned it no but if he didn't do it would he get it that's synergy. See how that works? I say I give you this if you do this. This isn't earning this, but without this you will never have this. Water into wine. Give me the water. If you don't give me the water, there's no miracle. But don't think that the miracle came from the water. Why that's important for us. <clears throat> nice verse here. Proverbs 21, 31. Another verse that came to me this past week in my daily reading. It said, the horse is prepared for the battle, but the deliverance is of the Lord. See that works? The horse is prepared for the battle, or for the day of battle, but the deliverance is from the Lord. Meaning, we, and if you, look in the old, if you look throughout the Bible, every miracle is exactly this. is the people do their part, prepare the horses, but don't think your horses got you the victory. But if you didn't prepare your horses and you're lazy and you're just waiting for God to give you victory, you're not going to find victory. Has to be a synergy of the two working together. When it comes to this campaign, we're going to be like St. Mark. We're going to be like St. Mark. And we're going to do our part. we're going to lay bricks. But we're never going to be foolish enough to think that our bricks are going to build a building. We have a huge goal in front of us. We're trying to collect $2 million in a week. In essence. I don't know how it's going to work. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to lay as many bricks as we can. And in the end, in the end, God is going to do what God does. We don't know. That's not our part. We're going to focus on doing what we have been asked to do, what put in front of us. If we can do anything to contribute, to lay down a brick, and like I said, whatever that may be, for this building campaign, it may be something. After the building, it's something. Whatever it may be, we're going to lay down our brick, and we're going to do our part, five loaves, two fish, six pots of water, and whatever the results are, we're going to be fine with it, because whatever God did. See what I'm saying? We're going to sleep easy at night, knowing that we offered the five loaves and the two fish, And in the end, whatever it is that God wants, he'll make it happen. But I believe that God will honor our brick laying and he will build a kingdom. Just like he honored St. Mark. St. Mark offered the brick and now today we have a huge kingdom. The five loaves and two fish offered, now we have lots of food. The wine, the water, now we have lots of wine. And I believe God will honor us in the same way when we do our part, he will do his part. Because it's his promise, it's not ours. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says it this way, starting in verse 6. It says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Specifically, this is talking about like money, but we, again, we are talking about much more than money. So don't limit this just to money, all right? Because you may be giving financially, but we're much more, kingdom is much more than that. And God is able. See, the first part was the us part. The us giving cheerfully. Now the God part. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you having, always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I believe we're going to realize that verse. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food supply and multiply the seed which you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. You know what we are? We're farmers. There's so many analogies in the New Testament especially about farming. Well, we are as farmers. We are just throwing seeds and throwing seeds. And what happens when you don't see that the seed, what happens when you don't see fruit? What do you do? You throw more seeds. Like a farmer, this is a very easy life. He comes out, there ain't no fruit, throw some more seeds. What happens, no more fruit? Okay, throw some more seeds. A farmer isn't going to go inside and try to pull the seed out, try to pull the fruit out. And we're not going to be either. What we're going to do is we're going to lay our brick and we're going to do our part. And then God is the one who's going to give the increase, not us. How do you know if you are doing a good job of focusing on bricks versus focusing on buildings? How can you tell? I'll give you one surefire way that every one of us can attest to. The sign of having the wrong focus, and I'm guilty of it, everyone is guilty, is when there is stress and worry and anxiety any aspect of life, your marriage, your own personal finances, your career, like whatever aspect of life, all we can do is lay bricks. All we can do is lay bricks. God gives buildings. How can you tell when your focus is on move from the brick to the building is when you start to get stressed and anxious about the results? Stress comes from focusing on things that are outside of my control. That's why I get stressed in life. I get stressed when I focus on he needs to do that. If he doesn't do that, I'm in trouble. And that's out of my control. So anytime I'm focused on what I can't do, I will be anxious and stressed. When I focus on what I can do, I will have peace and I will increase in my faith and in my trust in God. A few verses right here, all right? Now I'm just going to go through them quickly, but these are, let, let it speak to you as it will. Each one of these verses has a special place in my heart for different reasons. Psalm 4, 5. Okay, it says, offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. And I've spoken about this verse before. Those who know me know this one of my favorite verses, so much so. One time I told this guy this verse so many times he, time, he came to me. He got me a little money clip because I don't like to carry a wallet. Okay? That way I can always have an excuse to not pay because okay, I never have any cash. So when the Girl Scouts come and buy this, I never have any cash with me. I carry a money clip with just $1 inside of it. And the $1 is just for vending purposes. Okay, vending machine purposes in case you ever get stuck. And he got me this money clip, and it says Psalm 4:5. So I keep it right there next to my heart, okay? offer right, sacrifice, and trust in the Lord. I'm laying bricks. I'm not worrying about buildings, God. I'm going to do my part. I'm scattering seeds. God, you give the increase. This is how we as kingdom builders need to have this mentality. Galatians 6:9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let us not grow weary while planting seeds. Let us not grow weary while laying bricks. We may not see big buildings come, but I got news to you. All that St. Mark built and established... He didn't see any of that stuff rise up. Now, today, we see the fruit of it, but he didn't see any of that fruit. So we're not going to get weary while doing good. And Matthew 6, 34 it gives you the contrast of the today versus the tomorrow. It says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We need this kind of mentality. What is on my plate for Today. What is God asking me to do today? What brick is God calling me to lay today? What seed is God asking me to plant today? And tomorrow, worry about, let let somebody else worry about tomorrow. Worry about tomorrow then. Say it another way. I'll give you a math equation for it. So I like math equations. Small bricks plus big God equals kingdom-sized results. If either of these two parts of the equation are not there... There is no kingdom sized results. Small bricks, big God, kingdom results. I told y'all before that, like the story of the five loaves and the two fish. There's some people who think a one plus one mentality. That small brick, plus small brick, plus small, 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 plus, 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 and they remove the God aspect from it. And one plus one equals two and 2 plus 1 equals 3, and they go very linearly, okay, and that's how I tend to be on that way, of like, okay, we need more money, so we need more calls, we need more emails, we need more videos, even spiritually, I need to pray more hours, and I need to, to fast more, longer, okay, in a, in a, I'm good to pray more, and good to fast, I'm not saying no, but you can do it in the wrong way, it's exactly like, like the, the, the wine people, the water wine saying, okay, we need a lot of wine, so uh, bring Jesus more water, bring him more water, as if If he had more water, it'd be easier to make it into wine. Like if he had this much water, he couldn't make it wine. But if he had this much, he could make it into wine. So we are on the small brick side. Other people are the opposite. They say, you know what? What's the benefit of this one small brick? Is it going to change all of this? And those people, big God, just do what you got to do, God. A kingdom builder knows that you need both aspects working together. You need small bricks plus big God. And you get kingdom-sized results. Go find me any story in the Bible, and it's this principle. Go look at Moses when he crossed the Red Sea. The Bible says that Moses stood in front of the sea, and God told him, take your rod in your hand, stick your hand over the sea, and then when uh, you do that, strike the water, and it'll move back to both sides. Did the rod split the sea? We can't say that the rod split the sea. But if Moses didn't take the rod, And he said, okay, God, what's the benefit of taking the rod? Is the rod going to split the sea? And Moses didn't take the rod to the sea. Would the sea have split? See how this works? The rod didn't split the sea, but without the rod, the sea wouldn't have split. See how this works? Every every aspect and every every story in the Bible is like that. We know what God promised us here. All right, and if you're just kind of joining us here for the first time, I'll remind you of the verse that God gave to us very specifically about this building. We know what God promised us, what God wants to do, all right? And that is this, Second Chronicles chapter 7, starting in verse 12. It says, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place. For those of you who don't know this story, by the way, I'm not gonna, I, on, the, on the website, okay, if you go to stsachurch.org slash byk, all right, stsachurch.org slash byk, you go to that website, I recorded a seven-minute video telling the entire story where this verse came from, all right? And I encourage you to go watch it, but just, just know that God gave us this verse specifically here. I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. We know that God gave us that promise and I told you all after this that I don't have any idea how or when. I don't have any idea about anything. All I know is God gave us this promise about this building right here. So we, his servants, we will do our part. We will lay as many bricks as we can. We'll do whatever it is that we can to make God's promise Come true. And if in the end it doesn't, which we think it will, but if it doesn't, we won't be disappointed because we will know that it was came from God, not came from us. right And if it does come, we'll also know it came from God, not from us. Like regardless of the results, that's the beauty of having this kingdom builder mentality. Is if it succeeds or if it fails, it's not on us. We'll do our part and we will sleep easy and we'll trust God to do his part. Last thing I want to say. When St. Mark came to Egypt, He didn't know how he was going to build a church. He didn't know how the kingdom was going to expand there. But he did know, like I want to say two facts that he knew that I hope each one of you knows as well. And he was so solid on these two facts, so solid on these two facts that it made being a kingdom builder and laying bricks a lot easier. He knew what he had and he knew what the people needed. He knew that the church that he had he knew what he had, and he knew the beauty of what he had in his hand, and he knew that it was exactly what the people needed. I summarize it in this verse. I love this verse from Ephesians 2, 19, 20. This is what St. Mark knew that he had in his hand when he came to Egypt. He didn't have culture. He didn't have language. He didn't have money. He didn't have friends, but he had this. He knew that thou, in the church, in the body of Christ, therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. St. Mark didn't come to Egypt as a salesman, trying to sell you knives that he knew are going to break as soon as he walks away. He didn't come trying to sell you insurance or trying to sell you a gimmicky thing. He knew that what I have in my hand, I'm not being pushy. I know what I have in my hand is exactly what the people need. And he knew that the church, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, which he was bringing, was exactly what the people needed. I always say that what the the message that we have in the church, we have that same message. Our message, our kingdom that we are trying to build is not, some people say, life-changing. We have a life-changing message. I disagree with that statement. I don't believe it's life-changing. I believe it's life-saving. A new iPhone changes your life. Okay, iPhone 6 comes out, that's life-changing. It allows you to do stuff, that's life-changing. Though what we have, the church, is not life-changing. It is life-saving. What we have in the church is a life jacket, or better, a boat, when you are drowning in the middle of the ocean. That doesn't change your life, that saves your life. And specifically, when I look here at STSA... This is our logo right here. I don't know if y'all can see it very clearly up there. The three things that we talked about from the very first time that we opened the doors of the church. We want to be a church where people always remember these three things. Extreme love, ancient faith, real community. Y'all remember those three? Say it with me. Extreme love, ancient faith, real community. I didn't hear everybody. Say it again. Extreme love. We What we have here, the kingdom we are trying to expand. We're not trying to sell people on something gimmicky. What we are offering And why are we trying to expand the kingdom? Is because what we have here in the body of Christ is number one, we have extreme love. Not extreme love for one another. Extreme love of God to us. That we, like this, that once you are part of the body of Christ, you are no longer a stranger or a foreigner. You are no longer an outsider. You are part of God's family. And I always think of that picture of the story of the prodigal son where the boy went away, and then he came home, and the father ran to meet him with open arms. Once you... Once you join the body of Christ, you are a member of the kingdom of God, then every day you wake up and you have a Father in heaven who runs to you with open arms every day. And there's not a person in this world who doesn't need to be inside those arms. So we're not trying to sell something here to people. We're not trying to build a building. We're trying to get more people inside those open arms, that extreme love of God. Secondly, ancient faith is that once you experience the the extreme love of God, you need to wake in order to respond back to that. And you need a proven, listen to me carefully, a proven way to relate to God. And that's what we have when it says right here, having been built, you are members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We're not talking about an idea that I came up with last week or something that a group of us came up with. We're talking about things inside the church. We're talking about a church that is built on the foundation of not just the apostles, sometimes we mistakenly say, based on the apostles. Based on the apostles and the prophets. The same God who started with Moses, who started with Abraham, who started with, 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 with Noah and, and Adam back then. Like that's the foundation, not just started on the apostles. That's the same foundation of the prophets and the apostles. Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. Well, that's, what we're, that's what we have right here. And that's what every person in this world needs today more than ever. You know why today more than ever? Because today, there's a lot of this that you hear out there. And there's a lot of ideas. And anyone who's got uh, access to the internet can come up with a great idea and start telling everyone how his idea is the greatest idea. Look, if I'm buying an iPhone, I'll take anyone's opinion on that. If I'm talking about my eternal salvation, I need something a little more proven than someone who's just been there around for 15 minutes. And we're talking about what we have here in the church. We're talking about have proven, okay, over years and generations and centuries, of how God wants us to respond and live out our faith. And then third and lastly, real community. Because the context in which God created man was not in isolation, but in community. And one of the things that we believe in very strongly is that's why it says, you are not just a citizen, but you are fellow citizens. You are not just an individual citizen, but that we are called to live out this faith and this love in the context of community. And there is not a person in this world today that doesn't desire to be part of a body something greater than himself. Believe me, people may not say it, people may not show it, but everyone has a desire, a deep desire to be part of something bigger than themselves and that's what we offer here inside the church. That's why I always say, for those who have taken our membership class, I always say this, that what we are here at STSA, we're talking about Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, STSA Christianity. All right, as Christians, love of God, Orthodox Christians, the ancient faith given to us by our fathers built on the apostles and the the prophets, then STSA, Orthodox Christianity, the body that we belong to, the family right here. Are we going to build a building? Maybe. Are we going to uh, have $2 million by next Sunday? Maybe. One thing's for certain, that we're never going to stop laying bricks because we believe in the kingdom that God has put in front of us. We believe in his promise to us we believe that what God has asked us to do, what God has commanded us, not ask, God doesn't ask, God commands. God commanded us to do, is to do our best to lay as many bricks as we can for the sake of his kingdom. I'm going to close with this verse that I started with, and I'm going to tell you this, that we're going to do our part, we're going to sleep easy, but I'm telling you this, Psalm 27, verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Let's stand up together and say a prayer, please.